Welcome to the DVD commentary. My name is Lenny Abrahamson, um, the director of Room, and I'm here with uh, three other people who were uh, very involved in the making of the film. So we have uh, Danny Cohen, who's the DP, director of photography. Say hello, Danny. Hello. We have Ethan Tobman, who is the designer. Hello. And we have Nathan Nugent, who is the editor. Hello. So I will try and identify people as they talk, maybe through it, so we can... You have some idea of who it is saying what. So the film was shot at the end of 2014, isn't that right? Correct. Um, and this section is the, well, we're just opening with these somewhat abstract details of of the room uh, set and the room world um, and so we're straight into uh, you know talking about how we shot there how it's designed and all sorts of other things that um, are brought up by these images just on on that Lenny these were these we found quite early on the edit that as simple as these images were, they were quite important, just to give you a flavour of the space. Once upon a time, before I came, you cried and cried and watched TV all day until you were a zombie. But then I zoomed down from heaven through skylights into room. We played a lot with whether there would be music or not over those initial images because they could be quite... Um, unnerving, especially if you know anything about what the setup is of the of the film. But just playing them quite neutrally like that ended up feeling like the best way in. There were so many close-ups we did every day, weren't there? Because Correct. we'd run out of time with yeah. with Jack, given his age. We had eight hours, and so we amassed a library of close-ups that yeah. you were choosing from. And they're used throughout the section, the whole first half of the movie. Really. In fact, those ones are where the lights going on and off. That sort of Morse code phase of, of what Ma does at night when she switches on and off the lamp in order to hopefully attract some attention, you know, from, from anybody with a vantage point over the skylight from outside. Good morning, TV. Good morning, sink. Morning, toilet. Good morning, everyone. Tani, do you want to talk a bit about how we lit the the room for different times of day and different setups? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we talked quite a lot about during the prep was how the the different qualities of the light that kind of transition throughout the day from morning light, midday, early evening, night time, how, how we were going to deal with or put scenes and assign them to certain times of day when it wasn't sort of script specific. So that was quite interesting. And then I think one of the key things we kind of kept talking about during prep was the number of uh, practical light sources. Mm -hmm. So essentially there's the bedside light, there's the small fluorescent lamp above uh, the cooker, there's the radiator, which puts out a little bit of red glow, uh, the green keypad for the door, and then the skylight. So it was like, I'm sure we'll dip back into it, but it was like, how do we create an atmosphere, a mood and a look that kind of works for the story as it goes through. 
this sequence here as they start to um, as they do their exercises for the day was really important because certainly after that kind of pretty bold opening um we felt it was just it's it's important we wanted to give every we wanted to give the audience a sense of one full day in room of how it works and and we're because we're sort of more or less from in a way from the child's point of view um there are no sort of big establishing shots at the beginning we just go straight into what it is that's happening and track the the events of the morning like we ourselves as filmmakers are discovering what this world means um but we wanted to show just that this is a functional place it's a functioning life that it's a, a there's a there's a a childhood happening in this place that's um that makes sense to the boy and that is uh, nourishing in some way and this this early sequence between them where they're just into each other and yeah, I mean, playing I th I think is important. Well, we definitely talked about, um, even though it's like a hermetic, hermetically sealed world, it was a real world. So I think that's one of the things we kind of strove for is to create lighting that felt authentic. Yeah. And, and, and so you wouldn't question that this isn't his real world. That's right. So it's that balance all the time between giving it the qualities that you can uh, that that are part of what how he experiences as a child, but also it's manifestly real. It's not mm. some kind of um, uh, you know f fantasy that we've mm. that we're creating. Mm. And I mean, we played with a lot uh, with early cuts of this first, say eight, nine, ten minutes of the movie was giving a strong sense of the structure of a day in room because at no other point are you really going to get a sense of the full passage of time from morning through to night mm. and just you know how how you know ruthless we should be it took a little bit of time to really find the measure of that wasn't it because yeah. we did cut it there was a point at which we had a much tighter cut of the first day yeah and, and it felt very much that it was losing something that we were too immediately into story and and weren't giving it time to settle into itself and to and to recognize it as a as a kind of as an ongoing reality that's existed before the story begins let's try a bite of it i said no danny um it's to me it's interesting that transition from day to night because there are no because we have to make an effort to look up at the skylight that's a shot choice it's never it's not like you just get a window in the background the way you normally do in a in a normal room uh, which will alert the audience to the time of day um it's quite fluid isn't in a way isn't it i mean you've like there you're dominantly lit by the by the fluorescent light here in this shot and you can't tell always immediately whether it's day or night unless it unless all the lights are off and it's purely lit by the skylight first thing in the morning or late at night yeah and i think that's that was kind of part of the fun of trying to achieve kind of atmospheric and um just an interesting style is because because you haven't got um windows at uh shoulder height which is kind of normal setup in a normal room then it although it's it's not non-specific it's very it's very limited where the light could be coming from so i think um shaping it and doing something interesting that wasn't just an overall bland flat light but to always kind of have a bit of their one side of their face in a bit of shadow or you know something interesting going on so it's not just 
blam, flat light. That that you know, I think we had to play with that quite a bit. To again, it's that thing about giving it authenticity, about a reality that that's what this. If this were to be a real situation, it feels as real as possible. One evening when the sun went down and the jungle. Lenny, talk about choosing this song and we were thinking about her singing him a lullaby and um we thought about lots of different things and it just this song popped into my head so old uh uh harry mcclintock song and it just felt like it had the right mixture of sweetness and optimism and actually longing which which makes sense both for both characters you know it's a kind of it's it's somebody fantasizing about a better life but it's it's got a child it's got a child like or a childish quality to it but it's also got tremendous poignancy and mm. and that in a way i think captures what the tone of what we're trying to achieve in that first section of the film which is always to be hovering around that 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 space between jack's experience of this place and what it is that is really happening or well it's really ha- what what's happening for him is also real but but what we understand as the broader context and the dangers there's a real warmth and a real uh, there's a real intimacy in every choice that's been made in these first 15 minutes that I, I'm remembering now looking at this with you guys, seeing all of the photos we referenced and some of the colors and textures we referenced, that ironically this is a very warm, comforting place. Yes, and and th- but this is here now, the first moment where you, you get the full picture. You don't know why they're locked in this place mm. or even that they're locked in. You gradually get that sense and then the he that's mentioned at the time of the birthday cake you know he can get anything by magic says jack he comes in and you realize what what the real nature of their situation is danny might be worth talking a little bit about shooting these extremely close shots of of jack in the wardrobe i mean that's that's a normal size wardrobe uh, ethan right it's it's there's it no is. we didn't we, cheat we built a couple for different purposes uh, I think Danny, you employed them for in different places mm. in different ways. But also, I, I think uh, just talking about getting the lighting right. I think one of the things I always was trying to do, especially in the cupboard, but a lot of the close-up work is to always get a ping in his eye, mm. or if it was a shot of Brie, a, a ping in her eye. So I think there's something about always trying to get an eye light to. If you don't get that there, little. Yeah little ping there's something the faces go almost dead in a way because you just don't have the life that that sparkle gives you so i think that was one of like the major nightmares in a confined space i.e quite a small cupboard is to kind of get some sort of reflector and a small bit of light to just get a tiny bit of reflection on the on the on the uh on the wetness of the eye just to get that little sparkle. So that was always quite an interesting challenge. It might be worth talking because this is the first montage and it's the, well, it's the second time we hear Jack's voice, but that's when we really go inside his world, isn't that right? And then, then this is a change. He's yeah, asleep and, and we're and still here. You know, even at quite an early stage before he'd really honed these sequences, you could tell that Jack's voiceover was working as a device because, you know, like everything's open in the early stages of a cut everything's to play for but but i think when particularly that scene we realized actually this is gonna this is gonna work and and it does different things apart from purely just introducing you to jack's world 
the way I feel, you know, thinking about it recently, the way I feel Jack's voiceover works in the entire movie is, and this sounds like a strange observation, almost like a, like how songs work in a musical. And that it gives you opportunities to segue off into a very different mm -hmm. space mentally and um, emotionally. And then it lets you then fall into a new day, new scene, and you can kind of pick up from where you were. And you can't yeah. always do that in, 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 in filmmaking. No, it's true. And, and I think the other thing about it there is that we start, we go right into into Jack's world. He's listing the things in it what, that are real and things that aren't. He's talking about his day. And that's very poignant because you know what it is that is happening in the exactly, background. Exactly. But then when Ma picks him up from the wardrobe and brings him back to bed, He's asleep and, and we're in her world yes. and as the camera pulls back, that's the first really wide shot you've had of room. It's mm -hmm. the very end of the first day and it's saying, now these are that, now you have a complete picture of their world exactly. and we end up with a sort of pretty uh, powerful image of the sleeping child and the mother yeah. who's protecting him. Yeah, Purely on an informational level, you have everything you need to move forward at that point. Mm. should also comment on Stephen Rannick's great score there there's something so yeah. tender and beautiful but also very sad in the music and it's that combination of yeah of both the child and what we understand the child to be or where we understand the child to be it might be worth having a chat about um just he's playing with the rug there ethan so if you talk about it's worth talking about what went into choosing these props and how significant they are we talked earlier about it's like boiling down a whole life and a whole house. And can we just talk about the highlight on the mouse first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lenny, you had a metaphor that I really liked about reducing a stock and sort of throwing in every ingredient and getting it to its most um, its its most pungent and most visceral uh, taste. And uh, I think what we were doing here is we really ended up auditioning all of these pieces of furniture. Everything had to fit together into such a tight space and and work with the restrictions of character and budget and, and the timeline. Um, and the rug ended up really being a character, and Jack refers to these objects as, as he's and she's. They have pronouns in the book. And um, this rug needed to have the texture that spoke to the years they had spent with it and also sort of capture the whole palette of the room in one object because it ends up being the conduit by which Jack escapes and is rebirthed. Um, so we practiced with many, many rugs, and I think when we when we got to this one, we found that it was the kind of thing that, as a child, you would be obsessed with, obsessing over every thread and every detail. Lenny, it's probably worth mentioning at this point, <coughs> considering the first, you know, say twenty minutes or so of the movie were being shot in fairly chronological um, order. You know, at what point do you realize, what, you know, in terms of the quality of performances you were getting, yeah. how you were feeling about it? Yeah, it's, uh, um, well, talk, let's talk about these two people who were, mm. uh, Brie and Jake are, yeah, that's, if that relation, well, if they don't, if that, that relationship doesn't work, if that doesn't feel like a mother-son, if it's just, there's no film there. I mean, what Brie is doing here as well, which is something that parents experience always, which is the kind of frustration of child rearing you know the the how angry you can get as a parent and then for a little boy like like jake tremblay who was seven when we started he's playing five um again finding a kid who who is capable of of you know of playing with what is a pretty complicated dramatic role it's not he doesn't it's not just about him having to be there and be himself and be comfortable in front of the camera so they're really 
extraordinary. I think it was it was around this point that we felt when we were looking at dailies and starting to look at assemblies that there was something really really strong between the two of them and that I think also I think what we by this time we clocked is that he had incredible stamina so yeah. he was mm. putting in eight hour days a lot of it on camera whatever hours he was doing and I don't think he ever gave a duff performance and that he no. had a low energy or no he was amazing so that's for somebody that age that's kind of very impressive we're never anywhere but here There's people that comments on the fact that there's breastfeeding in the novel and and we do it in you know, in the novel she still breastfeeds and we do that in the film as well, but we do just do it very subtly and wanna make a huge story beat out of it, but it's it's all there just mm. as part of their lives. This was an interesting sequence to cut, I think is that was Yeah, it. we we made Jack in the Wardrobe and this beat here are actually taken from later on scenes and Jack in the Wardrobe is actually you know, it's one of the few times we did this, but it's Jacob kind of going through his lines so we mocked it as a scene a little half scene because yeah. we just felt it's useful to go through just another night you know just yeah. another night with them and i think we were always kept our eyes open for moments where we could do that mm. there were footage. some moments quite a few moments yeah. where jake didn't know we were shooting and yeah we would just get just very natural i mean the yeah. thing is he yeah so here's this the introduction of the apple into eden the yeah mm. this is you know, his interest in old Nick, old Nick's interest in him being one of the things that's most terrifying for Ma. It's always amazing to me how when you're creating worlds of poverty or restriction, how you have every color in the rainbow yeah. in every culture and in every country, whenever you explore that level of poverty, hmm. you see every color in every frame. It's only once you become more austere and wealthy and you leave this environment yeah, that you yeah. start having very few colors. And it, I think what's good about this scene and the previous scene is just it introduces a slightly lighter tone because I think people have, you know, at this point begun to realize the gravity of the situation these two leads are in, but at the same time have gotten to know them quite well, are engaging with them, and they appreciate just a slight, slightly lighter beat there, you know. Yeah. And again, in this scene. I mean, this was, I remember <laughs> directing this and just getting Jake to really go for it with his playing. Yeah. That's, so that's that's improv stuff leading into a scripted line here. Ma, what smells bad? Fuck. You often get that thing in drama where you can just sort of almost feel the action call before the scene starts, yeah. you yeah. know. And we never wanted that. We always wanted to feel like we were dipping in and out of an ongoing reality. This took a lot of work around here because I mean, yeah, apart from sh apart from the difficulties of shooting and lighting in a space and getting shots like that. Mm. And then all of the material where Jack is looking out through the... Um, what am dry lights there, Danny? It looks a bit... Oh, it must be in there somewhere. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> Wait, did he come around the front? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just, this is really the first time, you know... You get to see Nick. You get to face. see Nick and, and yeah. the choice, there's a, mo a cut moment here, Danny, where we, where we go full frame on the excellent sean bridges here yeah um and again we, we were we talked so much about whether we you know when we say it's from the kids point of view how rigid are those rules mm. nice highlights <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I think that's i think that's an interesting literally that conversation went on and on and on because mm. if it's the kid's point of view he should be inside yeah and i think that what you're saying is the next shot 
becomes. I mean, even this, right? even that, so, exactly. You know, and the thing is, yeah. you can, and it was realizing that rules are never. Yeah. If the rule is 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 over, yeah. prescriptive, then mm. it's usually a crude yeah. result. It's 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 a psychological presence with the boy, not at some sort of rigid point of view. Yeah. You just have no idea about the world of today. Watching this conversation happen on the child's face, somehow so emotionally powerful, because you understand both what his confusion and our knowledge, it's, or his, his h how kind of hidden the real meanings and significance yeah. of this is for the little child. And watching and listening to the adult conversation, there's the shot where it really, that's the guy. It was yeah. the first time we've really seen him. But it comes at the moment of, you know, you've felt and sensed all his aggression and nastiness up to that point. My job. We must have gone back and shot those close-ups of Jake several times. Yeah. It was really hard to get it to really, really play. There's a great line in the novel, just your ordinary monster. I think it made it to the script too, and I always felt when we were shooting this that that was really what we were communicating here. Well, he's kind of... He feels hard done by. He feels like she doesn't appreciate him. He's like some sort of dreadful version of of a lazy yeah. uh, husband who feels you know he's not respected enough or something. it's a perverse version of the honeymooners isn't yeah it? indeed huh come on out get some candy come to bed please i mean even just getting that hold please. to happen in a place where you can just see the his tiniest gap the yeah. tiniest gap and see his eyes and and you're constantly trying to make sure that the all of the meanings are present and all of the information is there without ever appearing to be um, spoon-fed. Yeah. Spoon-fed, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or... There's a sequence here where, where Jack is about to walk towards the bed and it, it's, it's pretty tense and and yet we were discussing it's probably about three, probably about four feet of a walk, four foot walk that he takes. But he might as well be walking across a rope bridge. Yeah, you know? it looks <laughs> like canyon, miles. You know? It's a great shot that it ties... Ties him to... Uh, yeah. Look, it's, here's where we're talking about. this, That angle, right, over the bed, that's shot through a removable hole in the wall to the, you know, right beside the bed, which we use in several places. So here the camera, this camera's inside the room, but the camera that you looked at over on this one, that's, that's, there's a panel removed from the bedside wall. I seem to remember I had a bet with you about one of the next shots, Danny, you <laughs> may wish to discuss. Mm. The boots. The boots. You tell me that we would never keep the boots shot. <laughs> I, I think I wanted to Too much shoe leather. <laughs> I, I wanted to put a cigarette butt in the sole of the shoe to yes. introduce the outside world. You did, yeah. Uh, yes. And a leaf, I recall. And the leaf. Mm. There's some lovely sand work in this scene as well. It's very subtle. Yeah, it's actually... <laughs> yeah. Nathan, maybe you want to talk a little bit yeah. about what... Uh, um, um, Steve Fanagan and yeah, and, it's, a, uh, it's sound teams um, that that Lenny uh, and I have had a long relationship with Steve Fanagan, sound designer, Noel Brady, sound editor, and Ken Galvin, uh, mixer. Uh, Steve Fanagan co-mixed this with Ken as well. But um, I mean, 
it's unusual on an indie to have a sound team working in parallel with you as early as we had on this. Quite often you have to lock the movie and hand it over, but great work was being done at a very early stage and it really enhanced scenes like this. And we were really, we were really able to work out just how far to go and how much to hold back. Exactly. I mean, even the opening of the door, that yeah. you notice if you listen when you're watching the film, mm. just the, the, the expansion of the soundscape when Old Nick opens the door and that reminds you of how yeah. constricted it's been exactly. before. And I know Steve Fanning in particular works a, a lot and we, even on a temp basis, worked a lot with just different different tones in room and they would have a, you know, we tried to get them to mirror different moods as we were passing through scenes. So, you know, the air conditioning would be giving you a certain heaviness or lightness mm. depending on how far we wanted to go with it because we were always careful with music, even at a temp stage. And then again, when Stephen Rennix was creating the score, not to overscore the movie because you didn't want to dissolve any of the tension in the film. This is a great example of how good Jake is as an actor. Oh, I'm a dragon. We certainly often talked him through a scene while, mm. and then the sound guys would remove that. But the actions themselves are so true. Just his understanding of what it is to be, to, to just, you know, perform some simple action that can't be taught to make that feel real. Extraordinary. Gosh, I remember in an earlier draft how she threw herself towards the door mm. to get out, and what a subtle filmmaker both you and Brie are that you would choose that interpretation of that moment in the script. It's also interesting, there's a piece of music playing here, mm. which is beautiful, but what it does is it introduces this, it prefigures what's happening there, that moment when when Ma is thinking, maybe now, and there's Alice's adventures in Wonderland, which are important part of this next sequence. It's it's the moment where Ma is thinking, this can't go on, and I'm going to have to tell him. Ma? This is kind of the landmark scene, in a way, in the movie, because you're 26 minutes in, but it's the first kind of long two-hander, in a way, mm. isn't it? And Lenny, you made specific decisions about how this scene and and its following parts kind of fell into each other, didn't you? Mm -hmm. They were quite separated before, and we sort of, working with Emma, brought this into a very concentrated section of of breaking open the, the myth that she's created of, of, of what room is. I mean, it's about a 10-minute sequence. It's about a 10-minute scene, yeah. Continuous. How many days much. did we take to shoot this? This was a two-day scene. Several. Yeah. I think two, probably overall more than two days, probably three days. Yeah. If you count the bits around it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Listen, I know that I told you something else before, but you were much younger. I didn't and we did a fair bit of work. We did some reorganization of, of how it flows. Yeah, and edit, of, of lines. And, and because, you know, you always wanted to keep, you know, for the similar to the scene we will talk about later on, you know, for this to feel real, you didn't want to be too prescriptive with it, did you? Yeah. You wanted Bree to go through the process of convincing Jacob mm -hmm. that this is what he was. This is a reality he was going to have to embrace. Isn't that right? Like yeah, you needed right. her to do that. You couldn't go too far and break it down in a simple fashion. That no. Once you hit these beats, then the scene is done. Isn't that right? I remember the crew. You know, really settled into that set and into yeah. that stage. And when we got through this scene. 
there was a mix of relief, I think, but yeah. also there was an immediate sense of anxiety that we'd be leaving room. Yeah, that's true. But I, th I thought one of the reasons I, this scene really works, I think, is because it's about parents lying. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's also a really sort of powerful theme as she's trying to understand or trying to explain her way out of the situation she's got herself into. Well, that's to do with the fact that all parenting involves creating um, kind of bubbles of safety around <laughs> children in terms of what you allow them to know and, and trying to protect them from the darker aspects of the adult world. And normally the, you have the whole of a life to, you know, the whole of a child's life to bring them out of that slowly and carefully. But in this case, she's got to do it in one, one go. And look at the reset here, Lenny. It's as if in any other movie, this is them, they've moved to another room. You know? Yeah, this is it's an like entirely different scene. It's like them standing up now, it's an entirely yeah. different scene. And mm. it's tiny, because you could never shift. I mean, it's what Nathan said at the beginning, or said before, which is, you know, you ask yourself as an editor, as a filmmaker, how do we do passage of time? How do we, you know, normally you have scene breaks which involve massive changes of location. And that, that kicks you forward. And this, yeah. you've got the same space for 45 minutes and you've got all these different kind of internal shifts mm. you need to mark. I think what we discovered was that, yeah, just like... In other aspects of the film, the design, the cinematography, small differences become magnified yeah. because you're in this, you this know, part, confined place. Part one of the scene, you were pretty much side on. Now you're looking straight into their eyes as no, the no, scene but intensifies. Also, also the, it's the height of the camera. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Depending on where the camera is height-wise, yeah. it, it affects what the background is. So if yeah. you're low looking up at Brie, it's going to be dark if it isn't the yeah, yeah, that's right. And if you're up looking down on Jake, then it's... And also, you're mm. you're being asked to take on this information more from his point of view than from her, from Maz. You know, you know what she has to sell to him. But he is digging in. He's doing yeah. what all kids do because all kids are essentially conservative. We do not want things to change. Right. We call him Old Nick. I don't know what his real name is. You know, so so the kid, so he is, he doesn't. He sort of knows this, or at least he knows somewhere deep down that this is. Yeah. The myth is probably just that a myth. But he doesn't want. He's she's upset and she's anxious. Therefore, he wants her to stop. Yeah, I remember you uh, you theorizing that Jack was a very smart boy and he really did know something yeah. was afoot. Yeah. But like so many of us as kids, we just don't we don't want to believe. There's because if more you to exactly it. if you did it as if you were too literal about it, or if you're too sort of you know rigid about this, and you said no, he's a happy kid who believes everything. Well, I just don't think we knew that he would have to be questioning. Yeah. That doesn't mean he wants to agree. That makes it even more important for him to hold on mm -hmm. to what was safe, given that he can already feel what's not safe coming. But this was interesting to light as well, Danny, because it's just, I love the lighting in this. It's its as if all from the skylight. Are yeah. you augmenting? You are slightly augmenting in places I think, here. I mean, the, the little cheat I had going on is I could fix uh, Kina flows into the, 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 the underside of the ceiling. So as well as the bigger softer lights in this uh, scenario coming through the skylight through the roof I was also kind of putting in little kind of uh, lights to put a bit of shape on them and those were fixed to the they were just out of frame basically on the underside of the uh, roof didn't you Ethan I seem to remember that conversation this moves between the practical and the and the storytelling and the aesthetic again but yeah, you created these metal uh, posts in the ceiling that that Danny could attach lights to with minimum fuss and mm -hmm. no stands. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I always approach the set as a, a 
an inverted Rubik's cube. It was the only way I could get my brain around it because it was like a an entirely modular square where every every module could be broken into a quadrant could be removed. So you could shoot two things at once. You could throw lenses in without obstructing the intimacy of the performance. And Danny was I remember Danny how instrumental you were in in advocating for everything from the toaster to the radiator to the security code having practicals on dimmers that allowed you to throw pings of light in and give depth and add foreground obstruction. This is um, Jack's, this is Ma's Gone Days, se- sequence in the book that struck me really, uh, very, I really loved when I read it, and just the idea of this little kid going about his own day when his mother's too depressed to 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 be part of it. But I and think also this is a good day to see the transition of the light. Yes. And just, the, just the, how the actual texture and kind of the feeling changing and then the mood changing as the day moves on. Exactly, and a big plaudits to Stephen Rennix, the composer here. He's just created mm. a really beautiful, quite large... Mm. I mean, there's, what I think is, is good is that the music is often at its most powerful when what's happening is, see, on the surface, very undramatic, you know? Yeah. And you've had a long nine-minute, deep, heavy scene, dialogue-heavy... And this pretty much scene pretty much tells its uh, you know tells the story through music. Exactly. And so really, he, he recognizes who old Nick yeah. is. He's he's he no longer wants this toy, and he's processing what his mother told him the day before. And what's interesting is how some of these shots mm. just uh, tell you about a kind of personal intellectual growth within Jack, you know, without him having to pinpoint it. Isn't that right? The, the voiceover right. works like a reaffirmation of his world, but then the images say, well, there's something else afoot here. That's right. And, and one of the rules we made, myself and Emma, about voiceover was that it would never talk about what you were watching. It would always be... Nor should it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is the little... Dan, do you want to talk about how you did the skylight um, yeah, I mean, the, the sky so this stuff? Is, this is quite interesting because I think one of the things you could easily fall into is making room look really pretty. Because, uh, I mean, if you use hard sun with shadows and a w- or a warm hard sun, it, can, it does look beautiful. So I think it was kind of key to use that very, very sparingly. And that was a good uh, a scene where it kind of felt that that a moment in the film at that point, it'd be great to experience that with with Jake, but um, you know, so basically we had um, a 20k hour outside the skylight coming through the win- window, as well as kind of quite a big ambient light to be able to get quite an interesting shape on the wall, so he could interact with it and have fun with that. And you sort of know this is the next day, you know, again, with such small changes. You don't need to have the big wide shot of exactly, the exterior yeah. world to tell you. And this is the beginning now of of, of getting out. Jack is, this tells her that it's gone in. She'd given up. I mean, part of the reason she disappeared for the previous day was that her attempt had failed and she was resigning herself to having to wait another year or whatever before he'd be ready to help her. And now he says... Our turtles real. Real? Sort of. So, these are real people, but they're playing dress up. They're pretending that they're people from hundreds of years ago. 
and we always thought even the images that he got to see on TV were from a bad cable connection yeah. just to kind of you know muddy the waters a bit even regarding what what he got from you know his sense of the world from televised images that's right it's it, because we did we talked about you know the questions that you got to answer ask yourself when you're you know you're bringing a book to the screen exactly what does he see on TV what does yeah. it what's it really going to look like what and that brings up questions about what he would or wouldn't know and there used to be a lid on it. It was the heaviest thing in room. When he came in, I smashed it on his head. But I messed up. He shoved the door closed and he grabbed me by the wrist. That's why it's sore now. Look, he's holding, he's looking at the wrist and then his his focus changes back to her. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. He's a real actor. And he always chooses the least obvious way. Yeah of expressing something. Jack, they don't know where we are. Room's not on any map. We'll often ask, what did he know? Um, how did you talk to him about the story? And the, I suppose the thing is, just like the character, Jack, he is protected. Because the character is protected from what else is happening, he's always in the wardrobe if, if old Nick is there, or he's, and his mother has succeeded so extraordinarily in, in creating a safe environment for him or what feels to him like a safe environment he he doesn't and, and similarly so that meant that when we're filming it because we're filming it from his point of view jake didn't really have to deal with anything messy and he just loves acting yeah. so he was just pretty much the happiest kid ever um every mm. day coming on coming into work and on to I mean, set it's fascinating you're 37 minutes in and you still don't feel that any one scene has been blocked twice in the same way mm -hmm. yes that's true you I was know? just thinking that how 37 minutes has just flown by and you just you know it's always been from yeah. a different perspective well yeah we talked as well about this place having multiple locations in it that you know that the bed area is one place the kitchen is another the wardrobe certainly is under the bed if you're you know something we worried about you know how are we going to preserve the interest visually yes. yeah. for this time and, and we ended up feeling that you could have shot there you could have yeah extended this you know yeah. still story didn't get was to the always end driving you forward yeah. yeah always driving you forward so this combination so we're shooting handheld here we're shooting from in from a hole in the wall there over jack onto ma we are and that's the hole again right right beside the bed the lens is inside the room but the crew is outside there here we're here we're in the room really intimately and it's worth pointing out, Lenny, every scene, two cameras. Yeah, pretty much always. But I think that was a very good shout, partly because to get, uh, say, two sizes on Jake for the same performance, or, you know, if we wanted to go down the road of cross-shooting to get sort of real-time cuts, that was also quite an interesting thing. Of which there's very few, actually, still. Like yeah. Very few real-time cuts in the movie. Yeah, it's um, amazing. Yeah. Because real-time cuts, somehow the energy just falls Exactly, falls right, out. yeah. But but shooting two angles means you know, well t twice on him certainly, and then occasionally cross shooting just because it. I don't know. Even the tonality of the performances work together, mm, even yeah. if you're not, you know, real time cutting. But this he's Jake's amazing Isn't in this he? scene. There you are. You know the drill. Not a peep till the door shut. Sorry. Jack's sick. Brie in this scene has to. Well, she's Brie is acting. Within her, within her performance, her performance itself involves lots of 
uh, she plays lots of parts within the film. She has to be, she's acting here for old Nick. She's got to act for for Jack to, to keep, in the way that all parents do, I suppose, have to put on a certain face for their children. And then later in the film, she continues to play other roles. It's a, it's a really complex, um, very nested performance, and it never seems forced. It's always totally believable. But he... He's five. He he's dehydrated. He has a fever. He could go into convulsions at any minute. Shut up. Let me think. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll. Danny, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the different ways of gripping? Like, there's a lot of handheld inside room, but there's also we also worked with we worked with a technocrane for a day or two. We did, and we never made rigid rules about how we would grip. No, I, I think it's always what what's appropriate for what's going on. So it was quite fluid what we were up to. But I think you've just got to be kind of quite open about a where the, where you're going to put the camera and work that out. So this one, like you say, is the camera's uh, poking through the set to you know something like this, which is potentially I think that is that handheld. I think that's handheld. yeah. We yeah. did a lot of very yeah. still handheld, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when yeah. you're just holding it as steadily as you can, but it's just still breathing. Yeah. There's that flower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly that prop that just keeps announcing itself. Um, here, this is a sequence that again, Brie. She it surprised her, I think, how often just really intense emotional stuff came to the surface. And here, she's really thinking ahead about what she's going to do. And then you, and then Nathan has backlayed the audio from the next scene so that as she starts to lay out this plan of how Jack's going to play dead. She realizes what mm. she's about to do. And mm. it's just, it's really... I think this scene is really, really important. Obviously in laying the ground for what's to come, but also in cranking, you know, and how it positions the tension for what's to come. And I think from a practical point of view, we obviously, we've had one escape plan and failed escape attempt, if you like. So we... You know, we had to play this differently as well. That's right. But also, it's fascinating how you shot this scene because, you know, <coughs> this was took maybe you know several takes of 12, 13 minutes each. Her going through each beat of this and being naturally frustrated and trying to go mm. through the process of rolling Jack up in Rogue. And that all had to be there inherent, you know, uh, in your, in how an audience member sees this plan as in not a very sophisticated one, one that can go wrong very easily and have the but most not terrible so outrageous that But not so outrageous, exactly. You know, and here she realizes the rug was too long, so she's going to fold it over. Yeah. And and this idea, this, this style of intercutting these different timelines, in fact, you know, from the night before where she's crying to this scene at the breakfast table, yeah. intercutting with the actual... Yeah. Um, uh, preparation and 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 testing of the and this little standoff with them there just intensifies the next time she tries to roll them up you know yeah, exactly mm. like this. Okay, but also i quite like the way she gets more physical as she yeah, gets exactly. more frustrated so you, it's you know the, the, that whole kind of her journey just within this little scene sort of grows and grows which is great I remember talking to brie about how in order to in order to um, push through with this plan, she has to sort of go a little mad. I mean, she has to. Yeah, yeah. she's in, it's at her most desperate. And yeah. she's got, she can't let, she doesn't want to stop and think. She knows if she does, she'll just keep him. Mm. Yeah. 
So if she's going to go through this, she's got to just drive through it. And she also hasn't really emotionally thought through the fact that this could be the last time she ever sees yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. You're going to shout when you see somebody. You say, my ma is Joy Newsom." Great wardrobe work as well in the film. I, mean, I don't mean mm. the, the armoire. I mean just what they're wearing and how thought through mm. that had to be. Leah Carlson. Is even that top he's wearing there? Like any conventional boy would probably resist being dressed up in something like that. <laughs> you know, would probably. Yeah. But th it's a small detail. But Jack would. Jack just does what he. You know, he doesn't know any different. You know. And it's Leah talked at length about how this is all part of old Nick's fantasy because, of course, he's procuring the clothes and yeah, there's something exactly, quite yeah. matronly and yeah. yes, exactly. She's dressed kind of. Um, you know, insensible stuff, and he's he brings in this like what manatees with sunglasses because yeah, that's what yeah. kids would like. Right. Yeah. Same way, bringing him the truck or offering him the sweets. It's. I think we worked hard to use the colors of the clothes to play off. Yeah. Pieces of furniture and not the walls, not. Well, not also, the just that wide shot. That's quite an interesting shot because that's because it's a top shot mm. on quite a wide lens, which we didn't use that often. Mm -hmm. You're getting quite a big. Um, landscape or floorscape, yeah, uh, and we don't jump back to the big wide yeah. very often yeah, uh, in, inside uh, room. What's amazing is even in a space that small, you can find them. Yeah, you know, you have the almost the entire vocabulary of of shots available to you even in that tiny space. He got worse in the night. He didn't wake up. Jeez, poor girl. Poor girl is a great line, mm. and and he feels awkward and a bit ashamed, and that's what gives her some power over him. Don't touch him! Okay. No, I, I, it's great because the the roles reverse, which is fantastic. For the mm. first. Am I sure? <laughs> what Bree is doing there is really incredible because she has to pretend to be upset in a particular way for Nick which is very, very calculated. And at the same time, she is about to say goodbye to her child. Mm. Because even if she thinks there's a chance of Jack getting away, I think deep down she doesn't believe that she'll survive this. She thinks that he'll come back and kill her. Okay. Somewhere with trees. Trees, sure, yeah. I want you to swear to me you won't even lay your filthy eyes on him. Swear to me that you won't look at him! I swear. Sean is, is really great in this sequence. Okay, well, it's about an hour until dark. No! But I, th I think one of the things that really works is his awkwardness mm. carrying out the carpet and just trying to get to the door, get through the door, close the door. And it's great. Combining all that is just great carpet acting. <laughs> and, and great, um, that little tiny glimpse of her and him mm. and her again. And, and the eye contact. The twice. eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the sound change here is fabulous. <clears throat> Uh, doesn't matter how yeah. much in part of the movie you are, this next 15 minutes, I didn't breathe when I first saw it. And Nathan, we talked a lot about the next part. Yeah, and even there, like, you know, in the normal momentum of things, you probably wouldn't stay with Maya. You go straight outside, but you had to just experience her loss for those mm. few moments, you know? Um, and yeah, this is the scene with many moving parts, but as... 
as we've talked about before, it has inherited inherited all its tension from, I'd say, you know, the moment in particular that Ma says, you know, the unlying scene where, mm. where she says the world isn't real, you know, from that point on up mm. to here. There's a great deal it's of... It's always twisting the coil up to this point, you know, so... And musically here, it does something very... It, 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 instead of playing the tension... Yeah. It plays well. There's still a tension, but it plays not the kind of yeah. thriller aspect, but the yeah. it's working towards the moment of discovery of birth. Exactly, of kind of exactly. So that you know the terrible pre predicament and precarious situation that Jack is in is it's kind of working parallel to the fact that he, you know, what he's going to see the world for the first time. And that's a gl an amazing, glorious thing. You know, there was a, a great deal of thought that went into how mundane and how impersonal the exterior of the shed would be that yeah. you'd never imagine. You'd be just shocked to see that the life and the amount of color on the inside would 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 have an exterior shell that was yeah, that corporate. That whole world that you've irrelevant. been in could be in that tiny yeah. box. I mean, the decision to show that, to have that wide shot outside. Yeah. I think it's a really good decision in the in the cut because yeah. you could say, oh, well, why didn't you save it? I mean, why, do you, why didn't you save the reveal of where it is? But that's that's to be playing tricks with the audience. Exactly, I mean, the yeah. films never yeah. work that way. Yeah. It's always, it's always, okay, it does a lot of, of uh, it suggests a way of experiencing yeah. it, but it never makes that apparent. It always appears to be yeah. kind of genuinely just trying to follow what's happening. Exactly. I mean, I think that I, I was like the the shot, the spade, because you're just throwing a tiny little bit of information in there. Yeah. But it's quite important that yeah. the reality of the situation is going to be buried potentially. Yeah. I was trying to work out how many, you know, how many different phases of the shooting went into this. Sequence. I think there's about four. I think at least four different shooting days are in this scene. Some some of it we shot on the back of a static truck. Yeah. Some of it we shot in the studio on the on the unmoving. Yeah truck bed there's a tiny bit of blue screen yeah very very small bit that was an amazing find danny that yeah just because yeah. it basically becomes a pinhole camera so that was and this is where the music peaks this is the peak you're like this is a, this is the moment it's actually been building towards not him releasing himself it's actually him seeing the world you know hard not to get caught up in this sequence even now I remember talking Jake through this and you can't just say to a kid okay it's the first time you've seen the world <laughs> and action yeah. you know we talked about I'm sure you did and you said and we're going to shoot it at a 45 degree shutter yeah exactly that. his endurance was incredible here it was so cold out it was so bumpy and he just mm. kept going for yeah. it over and over again we shot this I think very I tried to make it to shoot in a pretty kind of natural way. But you also made the decision to go 48 frames. Yeah, so there's some elements of slow motion, some yeah. change shutter angles. Great bit of sound work mm. there. And now we're into this phase with 
Jack, where we yeah. go, we allow ourselves to go a little bit more subjective in a just just in a very subtle way. Yeah. But we we allow the camera sometimes to do this, which is yeah. to be to be literally his point of view, yeah. to capture <laughs> something of the dis, discordant, yeah. strange, broken up quality yeah. that the outside world has for him. But what's also good is that there isn't a really a segregation between the the parts of this escape. You know, they're they're kind of relentless. They fall one into each other. Yeah without really giving Jack too much time to take stock of what's going on, yeah. you know? But also, I think the power of the way old Nick just discards him like a rag mm, doll yeah. is so kind of, that's not what you normally do mm. with a child who's in distress. So that's a really powerful yeah. kind of beat. There's been so much discussion after the film of people I've seen asking, did he drop him by accident or was it on purpose? And there's that laziness to the way he in goes In my about head, it's it. just that at this point he realizes the kids have no advantage to him anymore. He, you know, the guy's going to call the police. The kid can't, um, as far as he's concerned, he's not going to be able to point anybody in his direction. What does the kid know? So why burden yourself with this squirming child? It's a nice touch, I think, to have him see a, a rotted leaf on the ground because that's the thing he saw on the skylight, which he wouldn't believe was really a leaf. Mm. The camera technique changes here, doesn't yeah. it? You guys start so zooming we do, in. We, we do different things. So that stuff with the police car is shot along lenses from across the road. And then here we're, we're very intimately with, with, with Jack and the sound guys did great work here. But I think also that this kind of slightly goes back to being inside room. So you're kind of doing something that isn't unfamiliar and that you're writing on faces. It's just it happens to be in the back of the police car. Like it's worth saying from the beginning of the escape all the way through here and into the next couple of scenes, all the sound in the film is post-produced. There isn't really any single one original no. thing left. That's right. Uh, because of this of the is ADR. challenging, this ADR, all the in interior uh, moods and sounds and spot effects are all built from scratch because the production uh, environment was so challenging that we really, you know, and also stylistically, Lenny, it was a choice, you know, to yeah. kind of really really filter out anything that got in the way what's interesting about this is even when he's not looking at her we're mm -hmm. shooting her in a way yeah. which is kind of as she lat like as it as it's sort of working for him yeah. so it's not literal point of view but it does capture something of his subjectivity um i should point sort of give some love to the great performances here from amanda bruegel and joe pingui who sort of play so well here particularly important that the that again, you have to. Is it a classic case of good cop, bad cop? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this again, you know, we had decisions to make. You know, okay, we could have had him curled up in a ball all the way through this, but but it felt disingenuous. Yeah, it, it just felt right that he that he wants to. He knows he needs to tell her stuff. He just doesn't really know how. Okay, listen. When you step out the door. Danny, what temperature was it that night? It was very, very <laughs> I think minus 20. <laughs> it was incredibly cold. Yeah. It was just the reality of choosing wisely on your part to shoot chronologically forced us to shoot our exteriors yeah. at the most ungodly time of year. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst possible time in Canada. There's a high angle shot of the police car that comes up later, which we were following behind on a camera car, and Danny was on top of the sort of highest platform. I think wearing about four coats yeah. and two hats 
I remember how stunned the crew was on that day. They felt like they were on such a small, intimate movie, and there we were on cranes and suddenly mm. outside in the real world. It's maybe worth talking a little bit about the experience of, of the cr- for the crew themselves of moving out of a five-week or four-and-a-bit-week shoot in the confines of, of the room set, and then everybody kind of looking forward to getting outside into the world because we thought, oh, wouldn't it be amazing? We'll have, like, we'll <laughs> yeah. be so constrained. And then... And then actually when dealing with the freezing cold, the mm. logistics and all the stuff that comes comes from shooting on location, just like the characters, we found ourselves kind of longing for the mm-hmm. stuffy confines of room. And there was something safe and intimate about it where every day we were outside, there were enormous performance revelations and obstacles to That's overcome. That's right. Well, these, th- I remember w- we talked a lot about this, all of us, I think, and I certainly talked to you, Nathan, about... Mm. How long can you, and how much can you talk about the newness and strangeness to Jack? Yeah. Not a lot is the answer. Because no. if you continually reiterate that mm, beat, it yeah. just becomes repetitive. Yeah. In the book, it can go on and linger, yeah. but in but cinemas are just ruth- like this. You know, films are ruthless. You know, you just have yeah. to keep pushing forward, keep pushing. And forward. you were so judicious about that, Len. You were. We started by being fo- so fascinated by the idea that he wouldn't have a depth of field, and he'd mm. be banging into things. He wouldn't know how to use stairs, but. And You're right, after a few scenes. Af- it's of all that. there, but you kind of mm. you also know how plastic kids are, how their capacity to adjust and pretty the, the the story of the film is that the person who ma- the pe- person who we fear won't be able to deal with the outside world is the one who deals with it more easily mm. and it's the mother who finds it hard. In a strange way, you still feel like you're in room at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're noticing, I think given how limited the perspective's been through now. Exactly. The idea yeah. of glass, water on yeah. glass, lights coming out of flashlights, they yeah. all seem magic to us. Yeah. And you've you've been caught up in the drive forward of this and yes. it's not until the hospital that we hold that we pause. I think this is Dan, I remember you just working really hard to get this shot of mm. her and you know, shooting through the window at this point. Well there's of something view. very powerful about shooting through a bit of glass with water on it. Mm-hmm. Just to just a lot of things happen where bits are out of focus, bits are sharp, and there's just a texture, a sort of patination, which really makes the image so interesting. And just the magic quality of suddenly realizing this figure coming mm. out of the darkness. And then what Brie does is so visceral. So and visceral. And she's barefoot in the in the snow. And it's, she is wearing what she's wearing, and it mm. is about minus 20. It's another one of those moments that reflects the fairy tale quality of the film as well, isn't it? I remember how important it was when we were early in pre-production, we talked about the different materials we'd introduce once we got outside of room and how powerful glass was because Jack had never experienced yeah. it before. We made careful choices with the sound here. What, what? Yeah, so here it's all silent and she it comes back in this huge, in, this big intake here. So we bring the sound back. <laughs> You really are wondering, I think, as a viewer here, where do we go from here? Where does it go? Well, and the t- clue is what Jack says next. Exactly, because you think, well, this would normally be the end of the film. Mom, can we go to bed? Yeah. They'll take us somewhere to sleep soon. Yeah, so her thought that this is over. No, but bed in room. Which is that 
yeah, she's maybe done too good a job. She's she's created that's his home. She's made it his home, and if and then this sort of transitional moment. This is where we introduce Joan Allen playing Nancy, playing Grandma. This is a very really brilliant stroke, Len. I remember on your part to we struggled at first with how does the reentry work, reintroducing the mother and the father into this and the answer is we don't need to see that we can feel it yeah exactly this is almost this is pretty much halfway through the film and I think we all talked about kind of um, limbo quality to this or you know we talked about the well the sterility and whiteness Mm. and cleanness Mm -hmm. Because this is the beginning of the world now. Yeah. Everything else was part of room in the escape. Also, I think, when, I mean, what's interesting about just the process of shooting things is that we looked at a couple of different hospitals with different views out the window. That's right. And then we had a, quite a long chat about what what is, what, is, what is it that we want him to see or the first thing that he sees through a window. That's right. So that, that this is quite an interesting moment. And we did talk about, oh, you know, how much do you feel? How much do you see of that night, the night where they escape? Yeah. Um, and just going back asleep with him, when he's over her shoulder. And really, his only real waking moment is this. We were very careful about the materials we chose here: blankets with texture, curtains that were perforated with holes, things he'd never seen before. And I always like this moment where we got him to just. Be careful, he's never stepped on another floor. Is mm. this floor solid? What does it feel like? Mm. And you did a lot of takes in this scene, Lenny. Yeah. That, just that sim- again, we're talking about simple simple actions, walking from a bed to a window. But S- Sometimes they can be the hardest. Yeah. Because just talking to him about, you know, that he maybe wants to touch that and feel it and see what it is. And, and then drifting across. allowing the audience just giving them this moment while mm. she's asleep waking up with him was something that was yeah it's a choice it was a good choice yeah and then the fear of this moment Ma! Ma! good morning sleepyhead I was waiting so long for you to wake up, I fell asleep again. Are we in another planet? Mm-mm. Same one, just a different spot. You're trying to imagine what would it be like this for these one. people to wake up mm. somewhere new. Is Everybody had to dig really deep. Brie mm. had to dig really deep into thinking how she'd be at this moment. But at the same time, keeping it real. Yeah. How long are we staying? Not long. Grandma saw us last night. And she's going to get us once they say we're okay. And Grandpa? He was away for work, but he's on a plane coming back home. I wanted the bed before. I'm sorry. Yeah? It was by accident. It's okay. So his reaction to the phone ringing, just having to track all the things that are new. Mm. Even the way he holds himself, his body, he's he's part animal here. Not feral, but but not adjusted. Remember the discussions that went into the idea that you'd never seen yourself in a mirror? Yeah. 
And yet, at the same time, if if we'd overplayed it, if we'd had him get a fright and jump back, exactly, or it just wouldn't. We just keep. First just of all, it just I don't yeah. believe it because people yeah. are ex- kids are dealing with new stuff all the time. Yeah, and not Slightly more extreme example. We played a lot with glass here. We printed an image of the of the outside through transparent glass. We did modeled glass on the showers. It was so important to introduce the idea of transparent materials and depth that he couldn't really understand. That's right, and, and rooms within rooms, and you know the whole idea of he says it in the voiceover a little bit later on about how there's insides and outsides, and then new insides and other outsides. There's never been another side t- for him at all. Yeah, it's great how you address Nick there. Yeah, just lets you to move on. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. In, in a really efficient way. I mean, it becomes immediately not about Nick. Exactly. Because that's one way this film could have yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but that's not interesting. You want to come in? <laughs> and letting them laugh and <laughs> and trusting that because the, here's the fear at this point in the film that the tension will flow out of it, that they're safe, so why do I want to keep watching? You want to keep watching, I suppose, partially because you just care so much about them, mm. but also you it's very subtly in there, the sense that we haven't hit resolution. S- shots like this, sequences like this, they contain a certain anxiety, just very subtly yeah. there, but you can't quite leave them, you can't leave the characters because you don't know they're going to be okay. I, I always liked the idea that the Doctor had a beard, like old Nick. Mm. It's just kind of another, you know, his idea that bad men have beards is quite pressing. There's also something about the idea that we have to get her back to where she came from. Until she gets mm. home, they're not safe. Exactly. Thank you. Danny, I should point out that two of us have beards. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try it? It goes with syrup, too. Everything's you looking good. Syrup? It's very sweet. Ma here is also trying to... She's kind of doing that public parenting thing where she's yeah. she's desperate that her boy seems okay yes. and, and that I suppose that she's done way. a good job yeah and um sunscreen that's for him mainly this is important that's that's for jack is that really necessary well there's a lot of germs in the air that he still needs to get used to and uh my colleague prescribed this for your pain for your wrist until they can get you set up for surgery and that's to help you sleep just take it if you need it okay I remember when we were shooting those shots, Danny, when we were shoot, when we were right in close-up, as if in Jack's, you know, literal point of view. We always knew that we mm. would use them very sparingly, I think. But I think it's, is it just, it's that thing about jumping right in and jumping right back. It just mm. kind of g- gives you different perspectives and it just... Yeah, you're in Ma's world here. Yeah. And then you can... With 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 Jack, we often went in on wide lenses very, very close on his face and this phase of the film but it's i mean it makes sense because he's discovering a new world so everything it, there's nothing that he's familiar with so you're kind of trying to bring that out which is quite interesting what i'm not plastic what's that jack he says that he's he's real he's not plastic well you got me there jack we're talking about this location as being slightly like the end spaceship in 2001 that it was mm-hmm. just this white light filled box couldn't be more different to the room they'd come from but so just notice there's the way she gets up and drops Jack 
mm. to get the hug off her father. This is kind of there's a slight repetition of old Nick dropping mm. him like a sack of potatoes. Hello, Jack. Thanks for saving our little girl. But in a way, there's what's disturbing in the second half is that she does want to get away from him. Mm. Yeah. And then she realizes there is something so arrogant about Bill's grief. It's, yeah, it's a very it's clever choice. I've been in the world 37 hours. I've seen pancakes and the stairs and birds. It's worth pointing out in this montage that all these constituent parts were, were individual scenes, full scenes. Mm. And we made choices for several reasons. One being brevity, another being just refocusing the experience through Jack's point of view, which you know, finding out that information was just really, really uh, fascinating that you kind of experience Maz's dislocation through Jack's observation. Because we that, that, that there is a long scene there on the, exactly. on the hospital scene, exterior yeah. where, where Brie learns that her parents are divorced. But it, it also feels like you can't, you can't stop and, and watch just yet yeah. in the film. Yeah. You've got to bring them home. You've yeah. had this moment with the, the main doc, yeah. with the doctor, and with their reunion, and exactly. now it needs to move. And it's it's funny. These were the yeah. decisions that, or these were the this was the work that I think took the longest in the edit from yeah. from mm. here for the next sort of twenty minutes yeah. of the film. Like the voiceover you're hearing now was originally written for this just this journey home. Yes. Right. So we've kind of re reworked it and refocused it to become all encompassing. You know, and it's. And the music swells even louder than before, and it's kind of, you know, another, again, Jack saying, this is what the world is. Ignore what I told you before, this is what it is now. And it resets the story in a way, for, allows us to move on. We're walking out And so we do let, you know, we, we do keep noticing, you know, we let, we let, we let Jack find this overwhelming yes. covering of his ears etc but we don't dwell on it we don't much. dwell on it yeah. exactly yeah. again even his sense of space with the stairs if you're looking for it you'll find it but yeah. it's the, the film certainly isn't telling Doesn't you to pick up for on you, it yeah. Yeah, exactly. and similarly we I think we're subtly between the four of us mm. creating the sense of imprisonment in this house in a very subtle way mm. yeah that and you certainly feel that uh, regarding the use of lines and you know frames within frames and, and we so chose on. this house really because it was partially so open but so so intelligently restrictive the 60s danish modernism yeah. it really has a very strong geometry that's hard to ignore no this is tom McCamus. so the you have this incredible pair of actors here joan allen and tom McCamus, and he is just the incredible warmth of that character, um, and it, he becomes such an important part of the of the second half of the film. And this, we, I, I mean, this, yeah, just the amount of things go ha going on. Yeah, in, in it the was return it, home exactly after yeah. seven years. How do you, yeah, possibly, you know, locate yourself? Yeah, and it becomes almost like a polite social visit. You know, Brie being or Ma being mm. sort of. You know, making sure her son is polite. Yeah. Um, you know, answering for him. Uh, talking quietly when mm. they leave the room. I mean, the unreality mm. of it. 
And you were so careful, careful, Lenny, in terms of how you held back any big release of emotion at this point. Isn't mm. that right? Because yeah. once you do that, you've, it's very hard to go you somewhere. Let the air out of the you balloon, let the air yeah. out of the balloon, yeah. Bree's uh, performance is so subtle here because she's really acting like a 16-year-old yeah. curled up on a sofa somewhere between petulant and morose. But it's, it comes later, a little bit later. She's She's just... She's holding on here to the to the fantasy that this is this is release, relief, redemption, all the things that she's dreamed about in room. And it's it's over the the next five minutes of the film, we take that away mm. and we say, No, it won't be like that. Of course it won't be like that. It couldn't be, not after what she's gone through. And Jack has no preconceived idea of what this would be like, no. and she has much too many. What is that? Let me see that. Where did you get this? There. Just in case. Do you have a dog? Oh, <laughs> it's Leo's dog, Seamus. <laughs> He's on furlough at the moment. With a pal of mine out of town. Living the country life. I think even just on a smaller level, you just appreciate the natural light in the scene, don't you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> just aesthetically, it's just, you know... Room, the light in room. You get so used to artificial sources, you know. It's. Uh, I mean, it's it is really two halves of a film separate. Two halves separated by. You know, two sorry, two films in a way separated by this escape sequence in the middle, and the second film, comments deeply on the first and. Is the resolution of all of the things that you've yeah. built up in the first film. But I think also from just uh, <laughs> the first half where they're just two people generally on screen. Yeah, that's right. And then I think you then you get into the complications of three, four, five, six, and then the choreography and what the camera does in relation to that many people, whereas right. yeah. for 40 minutes it's just been two heads. And it was very important for us from an editing perspective to not forget Jack because just because the room is busier, we should not forget him. That's right. You know? Um, I should say that from Bill Macy earlier that the, the way he looks at Jack, the way his eyes flick to Jack, the sense that he can't quite bear it. There's a uh, there's really subtle choices we made here to echo some of what ended up being her existence in Room, both the idea of a of a teenage girl whose life has suddenly been arrested, mm. and the things that would be on those walls, which really would have become uncool two or three years prior to the disappearance, because that's when you stop decorating a room when you're a a teenager. And then also the idea that there'd be a collage in both, that there'd be one window in both, that there were an armoire or wardrobe in both. There were subtle echoes. Yeah, that of there the are two. slats in the the slats in the door of the yeah. of the wardrobe, and this was this room was built on the same stages because there was no bedroom big enough in the location. So we that that Ma's bedroom is built. This is. I really enjoyed shooting this scene. I don't always enjoy shooting. It's it it's it's can be a very stressful thing to do, but just the the performances were so good from everybody around this table that it just was it was I just remember thinking how how lucky I was to be able to just work with the people here. It's worth pointing out, Lenny, in a lot of movies you'd add extra lines and ADR and so on to yeah. intensify scenes. There's nothing of that going on in this scene. No, it's, it's all, all just from the, the detail day. of what's yeah. happening between the people and, and, and trying to observe it or make it feel like you're observing it as, as kind of simply as you yeah. can, as possible. It's slower. Okay. She wants her father. 
desperately wants her father to say it's okay that she's okay and he can't and that's really this is the the scene which ends the hopeful any hopeful kind of yeah expectations that she would have had why are you in such a hurry been a big day you haven't said one word to jack joy Um, we don't have to talk about this now. God. Yes, we do, Dad. Look at him. I remember Jake saying this was his favorite scene to shoot because he got to eat an awful <laughs> lot of ice cream. Yeah. Robert. Please. It's so tense. Family dinner scene where something, yeah. you know, where there's something under playing under the yeah. surface is such a, a staple of. Oh, I love that movies, and it's. I love how Jake grabs mm. tries to grab one yeah. more. It's so honest. And there was a scene shot that n for that night. Yes. Maybe it's worth talking about, Nathan, why we decided to just jump straight forward to that cold, empty room. Well, it's precisely as you say, it's what's left inside Maz, cold, empty mm -hmm. space, you know? Um, like, there was a scene where uh, Grandpa looks in on Ma, tries to, she's asleep, and she, you know, it's his final attempt to, to kind of maybe build a bridge to her, and he just can't bring himself to do it. He sees Jack in the bed, and... He can't bring himself to do it, and he flees. And it was a difficult decision to to cut the scene, Lenny. Isn't that correct? But yeah, but it 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 just always it feels at this point in the film that the thought has to be direct, uh, clear. Yeah. The motion forward has to be yes, really. Um, if you're pretty rigorous about that idea yeah. of moving forward, yeah, and. The and you this know, scene became the kind of pivotal scene did, where yeah. she recognizes in herself that something is very broken in her yeah. and that she's lost that something terribly important was lost to her yeah it happened a little later in the film but we br we brought it back to this place particularly after decoding the scene with grandpa just to keep the forward momentum going um regarding how you observed maz decline and this line is so important you know what happened to them no People laugh room. nervously in the theater mm. when she says that. Mm. And now you have the moment where really Ma starts to pull away, and this is where she really returns to that petulant teenage version of herself. And so we're left again, or for the f not again, we're left now. Suddenly, we're for the first time, we're going towards Jack alone, which is the audience's really, I suppose, biggest fear is that because what they care most about is the relationship between these two people mm. and the idea that that's breaking in some way is that the, the tension around that is what drives the second yeah. half of the film. Jack, get away from the window. Jack? Leah and I talked at great length throughout the second half of the film to make the furniture, the wall color, the carpets and the clothes really blend into each mm. other that there was something so alive and full of contrast within room, but outside of it, it's hard to tell where the floor stops and mm. the wall starts. Mm. And in a way for Jacob, 
it's slightly more difficult role. He has less to say in the these scenes and the following scenes, but he, you know, what's really poignant is his stoicism, irregardless. He carries on regardless. You yeah, know? No, I think what's nice is you catch him watching. Yeah, and that's you know that's kind of pointing you, kind of, right direction. This is where we live now, Jack. This is also very reminiscent of Room, Danny. The way that the lighting yeah. quality feels here, and the nod towards wardrobe. Where are we? We're not sure at first. Or if we were Jack, we might not be sure at first. And now he's... This is another sort of gone day, in a way. Today we're... And it's the first... So on the one hand, it's it's Ma's withdrawal, but here he thinks and ventures for the first time out into the world on his own, which is quite a thing, but he, he parks himself mm-hmm. within running distance of the bedroom door so that he can get back to her we talked a lot about this too len remember the how does leo connect with jack yes and the trick is right that he does it by not trying by just going about his business get her to call you she gets him thanks thanks again so he checks back yeah she's still that's where she is that subjective camera again you know even though he's not actually looking at him okay so what am i gonna do now if there's anybody around that would play with me or talk to me guess not (laughs) i mean kids can't resist those kinds of (laughs) invitations got something in the kitchen i think Oh, yes. I've got something very tasty in the kitchen, I think. He's like a friendly character from a Dora cartoon. Yeah. Thing, isn't he? yeah. These are new scenes. Um, a lot of the stuff around here is, is new and not in the book because the second half of the film has different demands than the second half of the novel. I didn't know you were up. And yet a lot of people remember... I don't know if you've seen this, Len, but yeah. they remember scenes from the movie that are not in the book. That's right. They're convinced that they loved it on the page. That's right. Pretty good. Am I right? I love the way they both play this. Very simple and very understated. I like this kind too. Kind of sweet, but pretty good. And it's pretty much one take this back and forth to two cameras. You really have to. And just the first thing he says to any other, directly says to any other person apart from his mother. Very small, not very smart. You should meet him sometime. He'll shake your hand. I had a dog once named Lucky. There's a scene which was shot for after this where they go outside to play ball together and um, the neighboring kid comes into the garden and the same kid that we see at the end of the film um but again it just the way that the second half works mm. is to is to maintain the sense of 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 a concentrated movement yeah and the f- to, you know being honest second 
particularly the last third of any movie, but the second half of any movie is going to inherit a certain momentum for the first half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The first half of Room is quite condensed. It's quite concentrated. You couldn't necessarily fall into an absolutely, totally different rhythm in the yeah. second half of the movie. No, no. It had to have a loyalty, if you like. And especially because it's not... In the first half, you know exactly what's at stake. Yeah. In the second half, it's much more tonal and it's much more... It's a sort of an atmospheric yes. quality. But it's, it's also that thing about not going off at tangents where you're going to ask questions that you mm. might not resolve quickly enough. Sure. So it's just like getting rid of anything that yeah. kind of is a distraction. And also skipping progress. It's assuming or even demanding that your audience requires a certain level of yeah. intelligence and attention. For example, well, introducing they have to think the boy the way that you do. Yeah. Well, that idea that, that you don't just hand over a pre-digested set of meanings, but you mm. present people with with something rich, and 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 but they need to sort of watch carefully to discover the really important aspects of it. And I think when you do that, it, you feel it's it's a much more powerful experience. Mm -hmm. Any kid would be so happy to have these, and you, you barely even touched them. Try your Lego. See these. these together like this? You see how I'm doing it? Try it. Is it fun? Jack. Can you say something? Jack! He needs to play with something real. I'm worried about him being on the phone. As is often the case in in the film, some of the conflicts that occur are are more extreme versions of the conflicts that occur in ordinary life. So the grandmother criticizing the way that a mother parents is a very mm. is a very you know is, is a kind of something that people recognize as, as as true to life. But in this case, it's just intensified by what by what the history of this is. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> Happy. I'm supposed to be happy is a great line. No, I don't. I don't need to rest. That is not what the doctor said. You don't know what he said because it was a confidential conversation and you don't know what he said. All right, all right. I feel like you're impossible to talk to right now. Well, sorry. No, no, you're not sorry. Yeah, I'm not sorry. You have no idea what's going on in my head. Yeah, well, try me. I have asked you. And then what? Then every time you look at me, that's all that you see? When I look at you, Joy, I will see my daughter. You don't need me. You've been doing just fine without me. Oh. How can you say that? Huh? It seems as intense as that. Like, how do you, how do you manage people, if you know what I mean? How do you, how do you, you know, go, right, let's go for another take. How do you do that? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, first of all, you're lucky if you're working with people as good as, as these people are. But you, it's very hard to describe. I mean, you just, you just sort of dig in. I mean, one thing I try and do is not to overblock so that, and not to over, and a scene like this as well, not to over rehearse because um, quite often, and it happened in that scene, that the first few takes were by far the most powerful mm -hmm. because the, it was, it's hard to sustain that level of yeah. intensity. Yeah. 
But it also, didn't we find that, that just because of Jack's hours, often they'd be... You didn't have a choice. Yeah. He wasn't there. Yeah. So you'd kind of work around his hours sometimes. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's right. You'd shoot without him, um, which meant you didn't always start with, you know, the the, the so-called master shot. Yeah. And you sometimes started on other people or... Not comfortable, and we move on to another question. Okay. And I'm going to, you know... My lawyer said, said that it's nice. You're good. But you know what happens? Leading up to a scene like that, like... The, the energy on set starts to concentrate. Yeah. Everybody recognizes yeah. that it's coming. Absolutely. The actors start to gather themselves. You just, as a director, sometimes have to keep things, you know, quiet and and safe mm. and and bring people in and everybody knows what's going to happen and you just try to make it as kind of as smooth and as, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe. And if it's not working, just be prepared to dig in and, and, and ask why. And... <laughs> I remember how shocked people are when they see Brie with makeup on at this moment in the film. I they think forgot. also it's, it's the makeup, it's the combination of using the Sony cameras as well as uh-huh. the Red Dragon. So we're chopping between two. It's yeah. worth talking about that, Danny. Just explain to people what how mm. we did that interview scene. So we, we had the two cameras that we'd shot the film on, which were uh, Red Dragon, and then we had this camera and another one on the journalist, which was Sony. There's always f- and there's four cameras quality. running at every take. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and there's very few camera moves like the one you're employing now, right? And this is out yeah. of time. It's it's a, it's a it's a shot which does not connect to the audio. Yeah, it's it, it's quite an abstract. It's quite a, a decision to make to include a shot like that with a sort of abstract quality to it. There you go. Have to talk about. I'm sure. Sorry, you don't have to apologize. Nobody's expecting you to be. What's interesting about this interview scene is like it's originally it's maybe three times the length mm-hmm. that it is on on screen and we we were really attached to it early on Lenny weren't mm. we and and all the uh, territory it explored but actually once this scene became you know through losing material and other scenes and so on once it came closer to the actual escape from room that we had to be ruthless with this, isn't that yeah, right? It had right. to remind you of right. only very specific things from Room, not the entire experience, you know? And she, there was quite a lot of change in tone. You played with Lenny in the script, script writing process. She was aggressive at first and sort of We took that back angry a lot. Yeah. And really she now delivers that one question that really you're all wondering but afraid to, to ponder. Will you tell Jack about his father? She's amazing. This is Wendy Crewson, who's a fabulous actor, who just is able to inhabit that that false concern and that kind mm. of that slow nodding fakery that you see in in these kind of celebrity interviewers. And she asks a legitimate question, yeah. just one that ends up really making Ma crumble. So Danny here, well that's back on red. But when you're stepping into those singles, that's you're playing yeah, off so the Sony. The, the close-ups are Sony. Yeah. You can see the different um, like there a shot are, like there that. Are, yeah. Right. The different image quality is, is a bit more glossy. It's a bit more TV. And the movement's a little, it's a little different. Isn't we it? zoom on yeah. it as well, which yeah. we never really do. There we are. There's. But I mean, the actual Sony. movement of the yeah. pixels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at Jack, so we shot this on a different day. We didn't have him mm-hmm. on the interview day, so all of those close-ups of of Jake had to worked be worked in. Yeah. Why would I do that? So Jack could be free. Now, this is the ultimate sacrifice, and I understand that. 
But did you think about him having a normal childhood? Joan is fabulous here. But he had me. She knows what's coming. Of course he did. But was that the best thing for him? Nathan, you may want to talk about how that scene ends in reality. Yeah, and in reality, to cut like in this. reality Ma uh, storms off. And it had a very particular energy that, you know, wasn't necessarily wrong. But quite late in the day, we played around with a few hard cuts. And this is the place we landed on as, in a way, mirroring the ground falling from beneath her feet. That there's... There's nothing left to say after a remark like that yeah. from the interviewer. It felt like more of a conventional ending to the scene yeah. to have. When we say in reality, we mean in 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 what we shot of the scene. Exactly, the scene continues yeah. and she storms yeah. out. But that is something you've seen before. But also just going from the question and allowing the close-up of Brie in the kitchen later to be yeah. the reaction to that question, even though it's in a separate scene. Exactly. But not having a storm out, the, 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 the suicide attempt, that, that's the storming out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is, so you exactly. You wouldn't play that yeah. twice. No. Right. Ma? This is, we shot this very close to the end of our 10 weeks. And um, at this point, Jake, I think had grown a lot in confidence and and had discovered the muscles that mm. we that were always there but he was getting better and better at using these really amazing acting muscles that he has yeah his reaction there is truly amazing i think i remember that's probably a smaller space than room so yes, i was getting indeed. expert mm. at being and also very, very there's no um we we tried it across the film and this is something i generally try to do to avoid very specific kind of blocking where you know somebody's got to hit a mark or whatever each time we did that we right. allowed the action to unfold we followed it with a handheld camera we knew what we were trying to get but we didn't prescribe the exact body positions wherever it'd be impossible to get something that that strong if you did now here that's jake jake cried for real in that shot and when i call cut like you know so he turns away here and on this angle, yeah, it's shooting two cameras. As he walks away, my call cut. He jumped in the air, cheering, because he said, I've got it, I've got it. I can. I know how to cry. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Mm. Amazing. Hello. Hi. There's a certain ellipsis in this section, isn't there? Yeah. Again, it's the story moving forward. We don't linger necessarily on the idea of is you know is Ma okay? It's answered pretty pretty much straight away. She's still alive because it's not about that. Exactly. If you made yeah. it about oh is she or isn't she okay? Yeah. Then that becomes just a a false kind of exactly drama. What it's about it's is about what he does next. What he does next. How yeah. he lives without her exactly. for a period of time. And again. You've probably forgotten about hearing Jack's voice at this point. Say hello. Hello. So it has a certain power reintroducing it um, at this point in the film. Ma? How are you doing? Come back. I, I can't just yet. I, 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 Come back now. I'll be there soon. I just have to be here just a little while longer. I pick. I, I pick for I both of us. Back soon. Yeah, 
that echoes the line she says when she's talking about the need to escape and mm. pretend that he's sick in the earlier section in Room. I think this uh, this sequence, which I don't believe was on the page, is so inspired you, what Lenny and Nathan did here. It's its own film. Yeah, just watching the kid on his own, just watching him get on with his little day. I mean, mm. I just find it... And this, Nathan, you shot this a second unit, this, these shots around the house we talked about. Yeah. There's so much of place in the world. It's just a sense of you're not sure when this happened or... There's less time because the time has to be spread extra thin over all the places, like butter. You know, these are these observations are could have happened before Ma even left, you know. That's great. But Lenny, you were always so insistent on getting this material. It could have fallen off the yeah. schedule, you know, but you've always treated beats like this as, as important as a two hander between two characters. And this is the only time we ever do anything like this in the film where yeah. you sort of go back and hearing his way of you know, making sense of what's happened mm. in the terms that he yeah. remembers from, from yeah. the room. And you shot those uh, moments with Brie quite early in the shoot. Yeah. Mm. You had a bit of time at the end of a couple and of we had that. And we had, had the techno had, had the techno grain, so we yeah. thought just to, to do studies that could be from Jack's, could be, yeah. in Jack's head. Yeah, and it was really, really nice to find the right place for those. really a great short film yeah <laughs> you feel yourself moving now into the, the very last phase of the film which is and it's the first time here he is he's outside I particularly like this scene I don't know why because it's very simple but I just kind of believe it and mm -hmm. but I, I think what one of the things that really works is the performance by the neighbor mm. so plausible mm. that I kept uh, when we were grading it you just think there's a whole backstory to her yeah no, her life that you could start knitting small parts are so important mm -hmm. and you know what when when she's on the screen she's holding the whole film mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. that's true of every small part if they you know we were careful too to try and portray the idea of a time shift in seasons leaves are yeah. everywhere and now they're piled and yes, soon they'll be right. gone and it's just so you know ordinary but just to see him hanging out with his grandmother yeah. and and then the re the again, this is stuff that we put in that isn't in the book, but the making of the cupcakes, the re -echo mm -hmm. echoing of the breaking mm -hmm. of eggs. You're really good at that. I did before. Hang around. Mm. Did wow. What else did you do there? Lots of stuff. Sometimes I miss it. Wasn't it awfully small? Uh. Uh. It went every direction, all the way to the end. It never finished. I mean, are you conscious, Lenny, as a director, that you're maybe flagging to the audience that they're coming full circle at this point? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, yeah, just playing that moment on Joan of what it means when he says that it was, you know, it slept there when only it came, what that means to her, and, and how sort of matter-of-factly, you just hear how matter-of-factly he says it. But yeah, we know we're coming to the end here, and there's a certain, certain sense that you're building now towards the, the very end of the film. Jack, someone here'd like to meet you. Oh, Jack, here, let me get this for you. Come on, let's go see. Love that line of Jake's. It went in every direction, all the way to the end. Yeah, exactly how you experience things as a child. 
Jack, meet Seamus. We were kind of lucky with Seamus. He wasn't the most, you know, highly <laughs> trained of, <laughs> of dogs. <laughs> but he, dogs don't make But he did, yeah, exactly. Dogs. He did. He did everything we needed him to do here. <laughs> and it's something. I mean, it's. I think mm. the film justifies this. You know, oh, completely. Very, very you've sweet you've moment. But it, it. But it kind of feels. <laughs> it's it's okay. There he goes, shaking again. Makes him feel good. Jake had been through so much by now. I think we all were relieved yeah. to give him something to smile about. He's moving. There was a point at which we had cut this as a kind of montage with music. It's similar to the exercise day. It again coming full circle, you know. But it felt like yeah, like instead we needed to just create a certain. This is a moment where he thinks of his mother, and he yeah. something is still not. You know, it's been this warm sequence with the dog and the baking with his grandma, but he's still thinking about his mother. I suppose in a way these are the, it's the point in the film where you're beginning to appreciate the themes of overcoming anything really, isn't that right? Yeah, and, and of re him recognizing, when he watch, sees his mother as a child, recognizing that that okay, well, he was angry with her yeah. for leaving him, but he yeah. now he recognizes that she needs help. And the, the simplicity and primacy of human connection, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to send it to Ma. I'll come. She needs my strong more than me, so I want to send it to her, or you could take it to her. I could help you if you'd like. Yes, please. Do this right. I have been wanting to cut that hair for a very long time. When we were rehearsing, rehearsed a lot with Bree and Jake, and a lot with Bree on her own over months before we filmed. You know, building on that building the character and stuff. But we kept Joan and Jake separate because we wanted them to have to get to know each other through the mm. making of the film. At this at this point, they are very comfortable together, and you can feel it. And I think they're both Jake and. Joan are wonderful in this scene, and there's a couple of moments I love which uh, are coming up here. Neil, you and me, we all have the same strong. I guess we do. We had to cut a very, 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 very expensive wig here. <laughs> we, only, we had two. A very, la very last minute expensive Yeah, wig and thing. a very, um, <laughs> the logistics of, of the timing this day so that we could, now, uh, you know, that squeezing closed of his eyes in case it might hurt. And how he put this is so lovely from Jake here. Here. See? See? What do you think? This is pretty classically shot, Danny, isn't it? It's we're we're totally out of the subjective yeah, I think camera kind of by this stage in the film of, we've it's just finishing the story off, isn't it really? Uh-huh. He's kind of grown up. No, there's a towel right there if you need. This is all improv dialogue, but yeah. leading up to the scripted lines the here. Part. Does <laughs> it feel good? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, let's see. And Jake, that's Jake just improvising away, mm. not remotely intimidated by the fact that he's acting with one of the best actors in the world. I love you, Grandma. 
YouTube check. There's a closer shot of this, but we never really mm. ever seriously no. thought about using it. No. That's Jake's real hair. It's a satisfying way to show passage of time. That yeah, it's exactly. so satisfying. There's a friend. There's somebody yeah. that will... Stuff has happened without us. <laughs> One of those nice accidents. Yeah. But again, it comes from shooting things it's in an observational manner. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, we introduce her very simply. She's not yeah. there and then she is. Yeah. a great moment on set where Jake asked her not to not to hug him in front of the other boy. <laughs> oh, did she? Oh, yeah. God, I missed that. He just didn't want to seem coddled in front of his new friend. This is an example of of Jake at his most comfortable and Brie at her very best. Um, this scene really played. We shot it on. I'm sorry, Jack. On, you know, cross cameras. Yeah. And whereas sometimes with, you know, takes on, on Jake would involve, you know, yeah. talking him through or. This he just he absolutely played this so beautifully, without any intervention from me. Uh, and it's right down to how he controls his eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> Makeup is also terrific in this film. Mm. It's so subtle and it communicates so much. Hey, Jack. Yeah. Grandma brought this to me. We shot this on long, long lenses, didn't we? We were yeah. quite far away from them, Danny. Yeah. And again, I think it's again, it's 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 quite different from how we shot most of the other stuff. Yeah. They're kind of just visually, it's got a slightly more conventional look. But by being so close to them, you just, it feels pretty intimate. Mm. No. There's no more left, sorry. Okay. The fact that he accepts that so easily is what makes her, what is what moves her so much here. Mm -hmm. I'm not a good enough ma. I love that he doesn't look up at her for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. So sweet, and it's so... I mean, it's worth saying how much they cared about each other, these two, in reality, and how close they were, especially by this time. <laughs> and they've been working together so closely for really a few months, and... It's so easy with each other. Hmm. When I was four, I didn't even know about the world. And now me and Ma are going to live in it forever and ever, until we're dead. We were picking up these shots all the way through the shoot mm. in the second half. So you, Nathan, second unit. This is a street in a city in a country called America. 
and the Earth. That's a blue and green planet, always spinning, so I don't know why we don't fall off. Then there's outer space, and nobody knows where is heaven. This was a trick that Jake himself used to do to make us laugh, tend <laughs> to be dragged out off, so we just stuck it in the script. Felt like a really nice thing to use. Ma and I have decided that because we don't know what we like, we get to try everything. That was the last location, right? That was the last moment. Wasn't that the final? Yeah, I think it was. I think so, yeah. There are so many things out here. And sometimes it's scary. But that's okay. Because it's still just you and me. When we were doing our restructuring work, myself and Emma, and working on how the second half of the film would work and changing the book into what would become the film, we always knew we were aiming for this ending, which is the same exact ending as it occurs in the mm. in the novel, and it's such a a great choice that she made to to have Jack want to bring them, mm. want to go mm. back to see where he came from. This was one of the most difficult sets for me because I wanted to give absolutely no clue away as to who old Nick was. This isn't his story. I didn't want you to find yourself any more understanding by walking through his space. In fact, it's so impersonal. Yeah. So kind of, this is what he, this is where he was all those years yeah. while they were in the room. Small details like the pile of magazines. Mm -hmm. On a treadmill that's never used, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the experience you're going to have when you walk back into the room is something like you, I think people experience when they go back to their old elementary school or mm -hmm. or the house that they grew up in. In memory, it seems huge and rich, and in reality, yeah. it suddenly seems terribly small. And this 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 is a place with exactly the same dimensions as the room that you spent forty five minutes in at the beginning of the film, and yet it seems impossible to imagine that all of that life mm -hmm. took place in there. And you, you felt on that day, Lenny, that time was tight. You felt like for such a big scene, you really had to get through a lot of yeah, material in a short space of time. Yeah, it was quite a pressurized day. We talked a lot, Len, too, about the idea of it being a graveyard of shapes yeah. on the walls. But originally we thought there'd be nothing in there. And then I think you very wisely encouraged us to put some things back or it would feel too distant. Yeah, yeah. And really, it's what's going on here, I suppose, is he's... Right, it's two things he's bringing him you know he wants to see it himself but he also somehow instinctively understands that this is going to be important for his mother and there was only ever really one cut of this scene that's changed. right yeah this is a scene that cut quite quickly yeah, isn't it really really quickly it's because doors open and as the rest of the film changed, we still never felt, similar to the process you went through with the script from the book to the script, we never felt we wanted to change it, did we? Yeah. There was a lot of work on music because yeah. we wanted to give it a kind of a release. Nah. Jack, can we go? I think what's amazing here is Brie feels so young, not, not in that, not in the way that she was when she was sort of regressing to it, mm. uh, an aggressive teenage version of herself, but just she sort of feels like she's starting out in something again, you know, that this is the beginning of something. Bye, wardrobe. Bye, sink.
my skylight. Mom, say bye-bye to room. Maybe worth talking just a little bit about how working with Jake to give him the best chance and, and us as well. Yeah. We would always we would have a camera on him quite often through scenes. Yeah. The second camera would just be on Jake mm. and oh just yeah. follow him. It was something you said very early on that there should never be a a piece of performance that Jake gives that we don't capture. Yeah. And it really, mm. really paid off. It really, really paid off. And it started to snow. I yeah. know, and I was dancing around <laughs> thinking I got my season. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, we got the shift. Yeah, it's right, a Christmas I mean, I movie. Think it just works. And, you know, generally, you try and design the end of the film with a nice sunset or sunrise. Yeah. 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 Mm. But it just works yeah. even better with this kind of... No, it's beauty, you know, it's beauty through austerity and darkness. Yeah. yeah. Immediately yeah. to the right, the neighbors have a shed. Immediately to the left, yeah. the neighbors have a shed. It could happen anywhere. It's so... Indistinguishable. I mean, it. We do. It's there's a nod to the conventional ending in yeah. that the camera rises mm. and. But it lets them go off to yeah. a new life. Yeah. God, it still it just brings tears to my eyes still. And it's less than a year ago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this film, this movie was December still shooting. 18th, I yeah. think was the wrap date. Yeah. Well done, Lenny. <laughs> well done, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Say, say, say bye to room. Yeah, say goodbye to room. <laughs>